We're at the Provincetown International Film Festival, and we're here with uh, Dale Dickey, who's being honored this year with the Excellence in Acting Award. So is this your first trip to Provincetown? It's my first trip to the festival. Um, I was here like 30 years ago with my mom. She had friends in Massachusetts, and they told us we should drive over, so we just spent the day here, and it was lovely. It was a little smaller, but lots of fun art shops and... Yeah, we had a great time, but what a special place. It was beautiful. So what film are you involved with that they're showing uh, at the festival this year? It's called A Love Song, and we premiered at Sundance earlier this year, and we've been traveling with festivals, and we were lucky enough, I think Bleecker Street picked it up, so it will have a limited national release on July 29th. We filmed it in southeast Colorado during COVID. It was my first lead in a film so I was very nervous about carrying the film and could I do it. There's also a very quiet film. And I have a wonderful co-star, a terrific actor named Wes Studi, um, who won an honorary Oscar for representing Native American actors. And so we lucked out. It turned out it's just a, a beautiful, lyrical story of what is love without someone to share it with, loneliness, grief, and inspiration, and hope, and rebirth. So what would you like to accomplish with your work? Well... I've always, I started in theater, and I knew that, and this is the same with film and television. Sometimes it's just entertainment, and people need humor. We need just entertainment and a laugh. But I also like to be a part of projects that are socially relevant and try to have others that aren't usually given a voice to have a voice, people disenfranchised um, on the margins. Um, I play a lot of people on the margins and, you know, violent, dangerous people, but I like trying to, I want to bring humanity to everyone I play, because we all have it. It's just some of us have had a a more difficult life than others. And um, yeah, and I love that recently I did a TV series called A League of Their Own, which actually is coming out in August. Women, women everywhere. I mean, in major positions and all the directors and behind cameras. So that part of the inclusiveness, I think, is happening. Still a long way to go, but um, I want to be a part of giving people a voice and trying to change the world, you know? It's not brain surgery. I do think, though, I've had experiences in film and in theater where I'm given this story, and I'm like, I never thought. And then it changes my perspective on something, and it challenges me to think in a different way. So I want to keep working. You know, I'm a supporting character actress. I'm used to popping in and out of things. So I've loved doing a lead role, and it was a great challenge. I learned a lot, but, you know, I'm a little shy, so I, I don't mind just sort of being in the background. <laughs> I just hope I can keep working and, and bring joy and give people a gift of laughter or tears. Um, politically, this world is a crazy place, very scary, as we all know. So as I get older, um, I'm too old to be quiet about it, and I'm sometimes a little too angry to be polite, but I'd like to be engaged in those kind of projects as well, socially relevant. LGBTQ teens are four times more likely to attempt suicide than their heterosexual peers. In these challenging times, what advice would you have for these kids? I hate this phrase, but hang in there. You're not alone. You're never alone. And things will get better. Things do get better. Teenage years can be a horrible time. I had many gay friends in high school who weren't out of the closet, but they were the people I hung out with. And I do a lot of work in L.A. with Adele Shores. So when I was talking about 
life-affirming and changing. His plays really do change. We did a play called Southern Baptist Sissies about growing up gay in the Baptist church, and we uh, did a lot of sharing with the Trevor Foundation. And Dell's from Dallas, and so we've I've done a lot of publicity stuff for those kinds of things. But the, the kids, the young kids that would come see his play, and Dell makes you laugh and cry all in one, but he got letters after letters about how much it meant to them to know they were going to be okay and they were not going to be forgotten. And that is very important to me. I, I guess I do a lot of that in Los Angeles. And good for Leslie Jordan, you meet all of these people through Dell's group. And, um, but I also, I had a suicide in my family. It wasn't because of the gender thing, but my sister years ago was just, well, depression. Depression and being overwhelmed and losing hope and maybe not having the right people around you to support you and hear you. And quite often these young kids' parents don't want anything to do with them. And that's just hideous to me. So there are other people out there, support groups, and it, it really does get better and the world is changing. Young people, I see now, it's accepted. One day it's just going to be accepted if we can get rid of these idiots I grew up in Tennessee, which is quite a red state, and I think about relocating back there as I get older, but politically, um, it's difficult. I do not understand it. Do you have a favorite quote or a mantra to get you through difficult times? Yeah, I do. I have a little mantra. I mean, sometimes difficult times are coming when you're acting and you're preparing and um, that kind of difficult time, and I have a, an acting mantra it's that I heard from a Romulus Lenny, a playwright years ago, three things stay relaxed, precise, and fierce. And I think it can apply to other areas of your life. But I do, I have my little morning meditation or my own little mantra prayers where I pray for gratitude. I want to be grateful and be passionate and be kind and generous and remember confidence and humility and always reach out to a friend if you need it because somebody will be there. And just having someone to listen to difficult times. Yeah, I do a lot of crying. <laughs> and then I sometimes will watch something that makes me really laugh. Might write down about it so that you can get it out. Uh, that helps. I used to medicate over it. Don't do that anymore. And that is not the solution. No, you just got to work through it. And usually once you just face the challenges you're afraid of, you come out fine on the other side. You just got to go through the storm. So we're with cast and crew, I guess you could say, with uh, Esther Newton Made Me Gay, and we're going to be talking to the uh, director. Uh, Jean Carla Musto, and I am the director and producer of Esther Newton Made Me Gay. Now, how did you come to make this movie? Well, I've known Esther and Holly for a long time, and it's really important to acknowledge the structures of how queer people know each other. And there is a queer kinship because we do share common lovers, and so we're like family. And I think it's important in creating space for gay families to acknowledge kinship and it's our, our different forms. So I've known them for a while, and I've always been big admirers of both of their work. But the thing is, Esther, being a bit older, had lived through periods of history that I always wanted to live through. And so I got a chance to have her as my guide. And that was a big gift. And not only to have her tell me the story, but to have archival footage from people like Phyllis Birkby, who was filming lesbian feminists 
upstate New York with Jill Johnston in the 60s and 70s. I mean, that was on the East Coast, the birth of lesbian feminism. So there's Esther and Louise Fishman frolicking and just, you know, be really coming into their own. So that was a real gift. And the whole journey, really, with Esther has been a real gift. I've been a teacher for 30 years, and I like to preserve history. But to make history come alive, I think it's really important to have people who manifest it. Larry Kramer manifested AIDS activism. Esther Newton manifested all of these historical movements. She was like the linchpin of gender studies. Judith Butler was studying her mother camp. So, I mean, she's really a critical figure in all this. And she also loves dogs, and she's also just great to hang with, so it's a gift. So what do you want to accomplish with this film? Well, I do want to preserve history, and I do want to make sure people understand, because right now, you know, people have different understandings of lesbian feminism, and they may get caught up in the later politics of it, but they may not understand the freedom and the sense of exuberance that was at the heart of lesbian feminism. And Esther is much more equipped to tell you about that. But, you know, Esther's own journey through the challenges, you know, who she wanted to be as a butch woman within lesbian feminism was almost impossible. So her own navigating that obstacle was critical in figuring out who she would be. I mean, my favorite line in the film is Esther says, I want to be who I was able to become. And it's um, been a journey, and it wasn't easy, right? Right. So, Esther, what was it like for you to be the uh, center of this film? It was great. I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, I really loved it. I've known Jean for a long time. I've always liked her. I saw her earlier work. I liked that. So I was really flattered, and it was like, great, let's go. (laughs) I really loved doing it. What would you like to see this film accomplish? I think pulling back to the broadest view, what Jean is doing is retelling very significant pieces of our history as an LGBTQ communities um, through the lens of my life. And I hope that would make it that history accessible, not only to my own generation, who do feel quite um, disappeared, partly because of ageism, and other factors, but to younger people, much younger people, to understand where we came from. Because if if you don't understand where we came from, you don't know where you're at, you know? And uh, especially now when a lot of the stuff we accomplished is, is being threatened, profoundly threatened. And we came through it very painfully as individuals, isolated individuals, and very powerfully as groups that were able to face these challenges together. So I I hope the film shows that. I think it does. What would you like to see happen uh, for our LGBTQ community in the Biden-Harris administration? I'm not sure what, you know, in the Senate and everything. I mean, whatever he can do with executive orders, but they're not going to be able to get anything through the Senate. I want them to be more aggressive. I want them to go for the Republicans' throats, so to speak, you know? Get more aggressive like they are. They're aggressive. They do lots of stuff to get their agenda, their horrible agenda going. And I don't think we can 
you know, sit back and, oh, well, you know, maybe we we'll, won't lose too badly in November. I don't know exactly what that means that we should do. And also this abortion thing is just incredibly... See, I mean, I had two abortions before Roe. The first one almost killed me, you know, and now they're going to take that away? It's breathtaking, really. Do you have a favorite quote or mantra to get you through difficult times? Well, after 30 years of Buddhist practice, I got into Buddhist practice after the AIDS crisis because all my friends died and I couldn't get off the couch for a year. And that was the only thing that kind of restored me. But this notion that we're not fixed, that everything is constantly in flux, that we're changing, there's actually hope for me in that. Because, you know, all things must pass, right? Uh, and let's hope they head in the right direction. Not that you're passive in this passing. You have to be active. You have to be engaged. But you have to realize that you're in it for the long haul. And that's why it's so important to me to reach out to younger people and to have this intergenerational conversation. Because that's how we maintain continuity. That's how our movement doesn't run out of steam and become something alien to what we initially thought. Esther, do you have a favorite quote or mantra to get you through difficult times? Not really. I just put one foot in front of the other. Keep on keeping on. It's very hard being old, I must say. It's very, very challenging. I've always been a very physically competent person and to, you know, need help all the time. And and then the death of my friends. So it's... uh, But then again, I was more prone to depression when I was 16. I cut myself, wanted to die in a lot of... Typical, you know, queer story. And uh, so, in a lot of ways, things are better now in my own self. I'm settled in myself. I know who I am. And I'm pleased with that I've made it through life's journey. With uh, LGBTQ teens uh, four times more likely to attempt suicide than their heterosexual peers, what advice would you have for these kids? This is something I say a lot when I'm speaking to younger people. You, you must survive. That's the bedrock of it. If you don't survive, you, you have no future. And, of course, kids, when they think of killing themselves, they think they don't have a future. They have to focus on survival and that they can get through almost anything if they can just keep going and reach out for people who will love you and support you. One of my favorite lines in the film is Esther, at the end of this really wonderfully received purchase um, talk that she gave, she said the first responsibility of every queer is to survive. If you don't do that, you're not going to do anything great. To give an example of that, when I was teaching undergraduates for many years, sometimes kids would come, they were just coming out, you know, and they would be like, I'm going to go home for Thanksgiving and I'm going to tell my parents I'm going to come out. And I'm like, you know, just a minute here. Who's paying your tuition? No, you have to pick your time. It's not of the primary importance to go and mix it up with your parents you've got too much going on and you need their help and if they're going to cut off your help because of who you are don't tell them i mean i was in the closet for decades because i had to be to 
survive. So you do what you have to do to survive. Fight another day. I mean, I came out when I got tenure. And I always stress that, to stress that point. I came out when I felt I could do it without losing my job. And if I lost my job, I lost everything that I worked for and everything I hoped for. So people shouldn't beat themselves up if they can't accomplish everything they want to accomplish today. You know, maybe next year you can accomplish it. Hi, I'm Jay Critchley, and uh, I have a short in the Provincetown Film Festival called Cheeky NFT Dance. And what's your film about? Well, it's interesting. I never expected it to be a film. It's a, a little cut from being out in the salt marsh in Provincetown and this little piece of mud coming together. And then I started um, looking at it and putting color in it. And my editor, Vanessa Vertibedian, started adding music. And before you know it, we had this piece. I'm like, are they going to even accept this? <laughs> and they did. So, And I just talked to um, Valerie, who does the um, shorts um, curating. She said they got 375 submissions for shorts. So I guess she liked it. But the Provincetown Film Festival loves you, Jay. <laughs> well, I think this is the eighth time I've had a short film in the festival. So I, I feel very, um, you know, like down home. What would you like to accomplish with your work? Change the world, world peace, no more wars, you know. Um, I'm going to be officiating at my niece's wedding uh, in California soon, and I want everyone to start singing... All we are saying is give peace a chance. I was recently in Orlando for the, um, where the massacre of Pulse happened uh, six years ago, and we brought the prayer ribbons, um, these ribbons from Provincetown. And um, at the end of my little presentation, I had everyone singing, All We Are Saying, Give Peace a Chance, because it's really peace across all levels, local, community, national, and international. What would you like to see happen for our LGBTQ community in the Biden administration? Well, first, I wish he would become a little more animated. I mean, it's hard to communicate in this monotone and get your ideas across. Well, you know, I mean, I think he's getting a bad rap. I mean, it's the Republicans that are holding everything up and, of course, a couple Democrats. And it's just the state of the country right now, after seeing um, the hearings and hearing what's going on, is just more frightening than I think any of us imagine. I think we need to focus on the election coming up and, um, you know, local level. Everything is local now. It's all local and state. Do you have a favorite quote or mantra to get you through difficult times? De gustibus nones disputandum. That was my mother's favorite quote. Each person to his or their own taste. Just encourage everyone to be courageous in any way that you can, whether it's with your family or your community or your neighborhood, and uh, share the love.